Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts 19. Acts 19. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts. And we didn't coordinate this baptism. Matt just picked this like a month ago, and we go through the Word, and it ties in perfectly with our study this morning. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit does that. And so let's look at Acts chapter 19. We're going to go through verses 1 through 10, and then we'll come back and we'll break them down, verses 1 through 10. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to Paul, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew to the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles. Father, we thank you and praise you as we see this morning. You were reaching out to all of humanity then, 2,000 years ago. And you're reaching out to all of humanity today. Father, we know scripturally that they have blinders upon them due to our rebellious fleshly nature. And until they receive Jesus as their Savior, the blinders will not be lifted. So, Father, we pray for our government leaders that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior, that they would come to understand that they're not going to solve anything apart from Christ, apart from the Word of God. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being openly persecuted cannot come together, cannot use their gifts amongst one another, ministering to the body of Christ. It's against the law. Yet rioters are out in the street destroying public and federal property, ruining people's lives. We're seeing what the Bible said we would see. Every man was doing what was right in his own eyes, calling good evil and evil good, violence upon the face of the whole world. Father, we thank you 
that you've opened our eyes to this and that we're not surprised. We're grieved. We're saddened. Yet it gives us that opportunity to pray more earnestly for those who are going to hell, that they would open their eyes to the truth, that they're only passing through this life. So Father, use your word this morning in our lives, individually, family, corporately, young, old, single, married. Use your word, Father, to stir our hearts to reality. Your son's coming back. What are we going to do about it? Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit as we see in the study this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, let's look at the verses here. You know, if there was a a theme for the study today, I would call it, in whose power are you relying upon? In whose power are you relying upon? The power of the government, um, the power of your intellect, the power of your career, the, the power of your whatever it might be, your financial wisdom, or are you relying upon the power of God? In the first six verses we look, we're going to look at here, we find Paul coming back to Ephesus on his third missionary journey. He's now on his third missionary journey. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Remember last week we talked about Apollos, that he was sent with, from a letter, with a letter from Ephesus. Now we know exactly where he went, to Corinth. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. It was a city, Ephesus, that will become Paul's home for the next two years. Ephesus was a city that had one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis, Greek, or Diana, the Roman mythical goddess of the moon, hunting wild animals, and virginity. I mean, look at that right there. That is what they believed it looked like. There are still some remnants, so from what they have, they were able to figure out, due to the foundation and due to historical evidence, what it looked like. Guys, that's unbelievable. Well, could we build that today by hand? People would give up. They'd say, oh, forget it. Where's the power? Where's the power? They did this by hand. For who? For an idol. For a false god. For something to bow down and worship to. And they would actually have temple, what they call temple prostitutes. They would raise money for the funding of the temple, the funding of the priest for the maintaining of the temple. So when your husband said, hey, honey, I'm going down to the temple to worship, uh, that might mean a little bit more than you wanted it to mean as a bride. But this is reality. This is what Paul saw. This is where Paul went to. It was steeped in idolatry. The temple was 239 feet wide and 418 feet long, and it had 127 columns that were between 40 and 60 feet tall. This temple was twice the size of the Parthenon that is located in Athens and was very ornate. Since it was situated at the mouth of the river Caister, it was a favorable seaport and the most important trade center west of Tarsus. So that's why so many people would cross paths in Ephesus. It was the largest city in that province with a population of roughly 300,000 people with no modern conveniences, guys. It was a cultural city. It had an amphitheater that seated 25,000 people. And you could hear the acoustics perfectly. No amplification. 
And we'll see this theater being used in a future study. So we see that Paul is back in town. He joins himself to some disciples. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now we want to remember the New Testament was not written at this time. Paul's on his third missionary journey. You and I, we have on our laps the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. And so when we hear this and read this, we go, how, what? How could they not know this? Because they didn't have the scriptures. But I'm going to share something this morning that you might not realize is available to you, and you've had your Bible maybe your whole life. But you have some presuppositional thinking. You were raised in a certain denomination where the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit died with the apostles. You were taught in your religion that the gifts are not for the day. They died with the apostles, which if you read your Bible, you will find that to be false, to be totally inaccurate. But you were raised in that, and so you believe that. So I'm going to share with you this morning, you're going to kind of go, oh, no, that's not true. That's not biblical. Well, I'm going to give you biblical references, and if you want to prove to me biblically it's not, feel free to come afterwards, not today, but during the week, call me, and we'll go over the scriptures together. It's totally biblical. Just read the whole word of God, and you will see that it is. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Verse 4, then John said, or then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. Now again, most churches won't use this word. You won't hear many churches saying repent. Because repent means that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And so we use it around here because we are sinners in need of a Savior. And if you don't have Jesus as your Savior this morning, then you are going to hell. That's what the Word of God says. You might not like that, but that's what Jesus said. He spoke more of hell than any other topic. Why? Because he lived in eternity and lives there now, and he knows what hell is. And if you read your Bible, he never created hell for mankind. It was created for the fallen angels. And God sends no one to hell. If you're sitting there going, well, I don't care what you say. I'm not going to believe that. Then you're saying, I'm okay with that. I'll go to hell. I'll have a party. We'll do bowling or golf or have kegs. Uh, you might want to read your Bible because none of that is true. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you think Phoenix is hot? No comparison. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. So people that were coming to John, he said, you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin and turn to God. And that's my same message to you today if you don't know Jesus. Turn from your sin, turn to God. For those of us who know Jesus and we find ourselves in sin, what do we need to do? We need to repent. We need to turn, get right with God. Ask for forgiveness, we're cleansed. So we as believers need to repent as well. Saying to the people that they should believe on him, Notice capital H there in your Bible, who would come after him, after John. That is on Christ Jesus. Christ is in the Greek, the anointed one. Messiah in the Hebrew, the anointed one. You're to believe on the Messiah. See, John's baptism was one of anticipation. Remember who John was? He was the forerunner. He was anticipating the Messiah. 
The Messiah was coming and hearts needed to be clean before him. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of empowering. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to fulfill the will of our Heavenly Father. And here is the will of the Heavenly Father. Witnessing of his son's death and resurrection. You will see this unfold as we go through the study. So someone will say, well, I want to know what the will of the Father is for my life. Well, one aspect of the will of the Father is for your life is to go out and share the de- life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. That is one will. That's one part of the will of God. So let's go back to verses 2 and 3. So we see what John's was. Now let's see about Jesus here. So Paul asked him a very simple question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, we know, because we have the whole counsel of God, yes. Yes, a person receives the Holy Spirit within them at that moment of conversion. But remember, they didn't have the scriptures. So what do they say? We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit didn't come in them. That just means we, didn't, we don't know what you're talking about. But the Holy Spirit had already come in them. The Holy Spirit had already come in them. See, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's a simple question. It's a question that I even want to ask you this morning. Because we can look at the scriptures and blow it off. But you see, as a believer, for you this morning, you even have to ask yourself these simple questions as we read the word of God. Am I a believer? Do I understand repentance? Have I asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And we'll get into that if you're new or visiting. We'll get into what that means. You see, the Holy Spirit again comes into a person at conversion, but please notice, he said to him, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. Paul was very, very specific about his question. He's concerned. Notice this. He's very specific in his question in verse 6. We see the laying on of hands by an elder Paul. Now I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, but it all ties together. Look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Not in them. Upon them. It's very important as you read your Bible to notice little things like that. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now some people will argue that there is no such thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will not argue with you. I would be more than happy to sit down and share the scriptures with you, but I will not argue with you. It has nothing to do with salvation. I personally believe that if you don't believe it and reach out and do it, that you're missing something very important in your spiritual walk, and you'll see why here. At Calvary, we teach otherwise, and I believe the scriptures show us clearly that there is another baptism. We see in John 20, 22, that Jesus breathed on the disciples on the night of the resurrection And they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in them. In Greek, E-N. I'm not a Greek scholar. You all can figure this out. The Holy Spirit came in them. In English, I-N. In. So the Holy Spirit on the night of the resurrection came came in them. Did the disciples go out and move in power from that day forward? If you read your scriptures, you're going to go, no. Matter of fact, they dispersed. They went up to the Galilee. Hey, let's go back fishing. We don't know what happened to Jesus. Let's go back fishing. They were scared of the Pharisees. 
They were scared of the religious Jews. They were scared of the Romans. They were scared of being crucified themselves. They weren't bold. They weren't empowered. But they had the Holy Spirit in them. You you can see that in your own Bible. So the Holy Spirit was in them. In Luke 24, 49, it says this. Jesus speaking before his ascension. Behold, I send you, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Upon you. Again, it's very important to know that difference. Not in you. 40 days have elapsed. The Holy Spirit is in them, the night of the resurrection. And now Jesus is going to ascend to the Father. And he says, tarry in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Now, if Jesus says that, I think we need to pay attention to that. This isn't a Christian fiction teacher on TV. This is Jesus speaking. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high. But wait a minute, they had the Holy Spirit in them. Didn't they have power in them? Well, yeah, the Holy Spirit's power, dunamis, power. But they, actually, but they were obviously lacking something. And they didn't know they were lacking something. Again, they didn't have all the scriptures like you and I have. So it's very important that we think about this. And it wasn't until Pentecost, now 10 days later, which they didn't know it was going to be 10 days, but 10 days later, we find it in Acts 2.3 that they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the coming upon, epi, E-P-I in the Greek. E-P-I. It's upon. And what was it represented by? If you remember in Acts, it was represented by cloven tongues of fire. Cloven tongues of fire. You see, when we were in chapter 2 of Acts, we took note of the fact that this was an upon experience is what gave the disciples power. Here's the difference, guys. Power to go out and preach and teach about Jesus being the Christ. That very hour, what happened? For 50 days, they were afraid. They were terrified. They were hiding. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and what happened that very hour? They went out, and they started to preach and teach that Jesus was the Christ. They were no longer afraid. They were no longer afraid. They now had a different baptism, that second baptism, and they were no longer concerned about what anyone might do to them. You see, it was John the Baptist who, at the beginning of his ministry, when he was baptizing with water, but the Messiah would baptize with fire. Remember John saying that? For those of you who read your Bible, he will baptize with fire. Interesting. After Pentecost, we don't see that anymore. We don't see tongues of fire after Pentecost. But you will see a baptism of the laying on of hands being practiced. But very few believers participate in it. Why is that? It's not taught. Again, for many denominations, the gifts died with the apostles. I find that really weird. That if the gifts died with the apostles, why would the Holy Spirit inspire Paul to write about the gifts? And those in Corinth who didn't have an apostle with them were using the gifts and praying over each other to receive the gifts when the gifts died with the apostles. So God must have made a mistake, right? No, man makes a mistake by putting God in a box and saying the gifts died with the apostles. And that's why we have a very lethargic church. Not this church. Big C church. Churches that are compromising left and right. I read an article this past week of a church in Canada who had to uh, 
asked their pastor to resign. She was a female, so they thought, and they hired her as a female pastor, so they thought. That's the first problem. This does not bash women, but God is a God of order. Women are co-equal with Christ, but God has an order in his kingdom, and he has an order in the church. Women are not allowed to be pastors. Again, if you don't like that, come and show me the scriptures. Don't get mad at me. Take it up with God. He wrote it, not me. So that's the first problem. But then a a month ago, she came out as being a trans pastor. So she was a man. And then they said, well, we have to let you go because that doesn't line up with our theology. (laughs) Hello. Maybe you should read from Genesis to Revelation and your theology will be a little easier. You won't have to let people go because you won't hire certain people. You see, just like water baptism, it's not about the process. It's about a childlike faith to obey the scriptures and ask the elders to pray over you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not childish. Don't confuse the two. Not childish. Childlike. You see, we had water baptism. And maybe some of you don't really understand water baptism. Maybe you got baptized when you were in your teens or in your 20s, and you still really don't understand water baptism. Read Romans chapter 6. It's a very important spiritual principle. It's just not a box that you check off your Christian list. There's a very important spiritual principle about water baptism. If you don't understand that, you're not going to appreciate it. Let's look at Acts, Roman, uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. A childlike faith to obey the scriptures and ask the elders to pray over you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. And again, if you're getting upset, don't get upset. Listen to the word of God. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just reading you scriptures. Well, you're taking them out of context. Feel free to come in with your scriptures. Let's take them in your context. We'll see. I'm not taking them out of context. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice that, Jesus speaking, you will be baptized. Night of the resurrection, they received the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is referring to a different situation. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Even after the resurrection, they're still focused on wiping out Rome. They still didn't get it. I don't blame them. They they had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New. But they weren't looking back to the Old yet. They were still relying upon their own intellect. And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but... Verse 8, key, verse 8 to our study this morning. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice that. What does the power cause us to do? And you shall be witnesses to me. It's not power so that you can know the lottery numbers and win the millions. It's power so that you and I can go out and speak of Jesus. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. 
Hebrews chapter 6. And these are just a few scriptures for time's sake. But Hebrews chapter 6. And again, if you're new or visiting, you're not familiar with your Bible, that's okay. Get your Bible out and start getting familiar with it. The days are coming where we might not be able to meet, guys. And you're like, oh, that will never happen. Wake up. It's happening in America. So they could come any point and say, you know what? You're done. You're no longer meeting. And depending on who wins, I might have a prison ministry next year. Because it is illegal to teach what I'm teaching today in Canada, in Europe, pastors, do some research, pastors have been arrested in Canada and Europe for teaching what I'm teaching today. Oh, it'll never happen in America. And you are blind. You are so blind. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go unto perfection, maturity. That word perfection is their maturity, completeness. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms. Notice, plural. You wouldn't say water baptisms, plural. He's not talking about different waters. The, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal life. And then as you're turning back to Acts, we'll throw up this slide and we'll wrap it with this. 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul writes this, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see, every believer in this room has a gift. You have at least one spiritual gift. Do you know what that gift is? And right now you might be thinking, I didn't even know there was such a thing. That's okay. This is what this is about. Don't be embarrassed. Be humble enough to say, I don't know what that is. What, what is that? We'll give you paperwork. We'll give you Bible studies. And you can go and learn and study yourself and identify. And we can have these conversations. That's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Don't leave here. Go, oh, I, I can't ask. I'll be embarrassed. No, ask. Ask. You have a gift. Now, most of us, myself, personally, I came to understand what that gift was when I went forward and asked for the elders to lay hands on me that I might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did I understand it fully 40 years ago? Not even close. Didn't have a clue, really. But the Bible said to do it, so I did it. And once I did it, then I started to see Oh, that's the gift that you've given to me. And then I started to pray specifically for that gift, that God would give me the power to use that gift however he wanted that gift to be used. And he has other gifts that he will use in your life as well. But you have one predominant gift, spiritual gift, for what? For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says. Not for you to build yourself up. Look at me, look at me. No, 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 no. It's for you to build up the body of Christ. So now another question comes into play. How are you building up the body of Christ today? How are you personally building up the body of Christ? Well, I just, I just feed. I just consume. That's what I do. Isn't that what the church is for? Just to consume? No. No. You consume a study and then you participate. You consume a study, and then you participate. You consume, you participate. There should be that sponge. You take it in, you let it out. You take it in, you let it out. How are you letting it out? How are you getting involved in the body of Christ? 
Because again, this principle must be accepted by faith and some will place certain criteria upon the baptism to prove its implementation in the life of a believer such as speaking in tongues. Some churches will say, very under the banner of Christianity, if you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you do not speak in tongues, then you didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not biblical. That's not true. The true sign, though, is that there is power in your Christian walk that you didn't have before. You will have power in your Christian walk that you didn't have before. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you. A life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit giving you the knowledge of a certain gift or gifts listed in the scriptures. You see, Timothy had a specific gift. We just read it. He had a specific gift, and Paul was encouraging him to use that gift. Another example is when Jesus instructed his disciples to anoint the sick with oil, and then years later, Jesus, his half-brother, Jesus' half-brother, was inspired to write that the elders, plural, not one, so that no one would be able to take credit, but the elders, plural, should anoint the sick with oil. So let me ask you a question. Is it the oil that heals or God who heals? God, obviously. But oil could and should be a part of that process. Are you getting to see the bigger picture? Wesson oil, cooking oil, motor oil, whatever. The idea is you are using oil. You're going back to the word of God. We actually have anointing oil, so don't worry. You're not going to smell like a fried chicken. Frankincense. Yeah, smells so good. Myrrh smells so good. It's symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. I'm willing to come to the Holy Spirit and say, I need a healing. I need a healing. And yes, we use doctors and medication. We use all those things. Praise God for all that. But we have to go to God, say, God, use this doctor, use the chemo, use the aspirin, use whatever, God, but it's your healing hand that ultimately comes back to. It's your hand, God. It's your hand. So is the laying out of hands some mystical or magical process? Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8 thought so, and Peter rebuked him for such thinking. You see, it's not mystical or magical, but again, a spiritual principle that takes an act of surrender. Just like water baptism is a public proclamation that Jesus is my Savior, asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a public proclamation that I'm willing to surrender my whole life to, the, to my Father's will. I desire the power of the Holy Spirit, not for public show, but for the ability to live a life of holiness or being right with God. So if you would like some of the elders to pray over you this morning for that baptism, please come up after the service and we'll do just that. It's not going to be mystical. It's not going to be magical. We're not going to try to push you down. Forget the Christian fiction. There's no such thing as being slain in the spirit. Ananias and Sapphira were slain in the spirit. You don't want that to happen this morning. It's not scriptural. If it's in the scriptures, we do it. If it's not, we don't. So if you fall backwards, we're not catching you. Then we'll pray for the gift of healing. (laughs) Because you're going to be hurting. So don't be afraid. Verse 5, let's read them again. Now we'll go 5 through 7. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, notice this, guys. Notice the terminology. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. You see, they received Paul's instructions. They received them. But notice what happened. They didn't just blow it off and walk away. They obeyed. And they allowed him to pray for them. 
And it wasn't about Paul. He just happens to be the instrument. He placed his hands upon them and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands is a practice that is seen in various places in the scriptures, which is often the evidence of the Holy Spirit doing something miraculous. Even in the Old Testament, the laying on of hands. But in this case, these young believers had the same experience that the disciples had on Pentecost, as well as the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius, except for the tongues of fire. But the same experience. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke in tongues. They spoke the word of God. Now again, I'd like to emphasize that tongues is not the end all sign that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit or that you are born again. Again, as I've already mentioned, there are denominations out there that teach that. And we should guard against doctrine that separates or divides the body of Christ. Matter of fact, we see that Paul asked a rhetorical question in 1 Corinthians 12.30. He asked this, do all believers speak in tongues as you read it? It's a rhetorical question. No, obviously not. So they weren't all speaking in tongues in his day, which tells us we're not all going to speak in tongues today. Don't get hung up about that. And I know, again, something, if you come out of certain denominations, you're sitting there thinking, oh boy, this is crazy. Don't get hung up on it. Nothing mystical, nothing magical. If you get the gift, great. If you don't, don't sweat it. Just be obedient. Again, I know I'm being repetitious here, but much like water baptism, the laying out of hands is a spiritual reference point of surrender. We are saying that I desire God to empower me to preach, teach, and live out the Christian life. That's basically what we're saying, guys. That's what Jesus told the disciples. Go out to the ends of the world. Get out of here. Get out of Jerusalem. Did they immediately? No. Persecution came and they left. You see, when the men, just, when the men did just that, it changed their lives. And we're going to definitely need to see this power in the months ahead. Don't be afraid of what God has done for you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit because your Heavenly Father would never do anything weird or try to harm you in any way. Verses 8 through 9, and Paul went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, preaching and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. For three months, every Sabbath, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, going to the synagogue to hear what? Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Here in the scriptures, Jesus is the Messiah. He was preaching and teaching. You see, he spent three months explaining thoroughly the scriptures about Jesus being the Christ. But his fellow Jews were not convinced, but rather spoke against this teaching. Is the world believing that Jesus is the Christ today? Is our world, is our country believing that? Not at all. You are non-essential as far as church. Your church attendance is non-essential. Matter of fact, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but a few months back, you were the ones that were spreading the virus. Christians were accused of being the problem of the spread of the coronavirus. Of course, all the churches shut down, so that went away, so they couldn't attack the Christians anymore. But depending on who wins in November, you are going to be the problem of why we still got this guy in office. And we're going to make you pay for it. Mark my words. Christianity is not on trial. It's already been convicted and found guilty. Your faith is the problem. You better put your big boy pants on because it's coming. But when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Now we don't know much about this school. We really don't know anything at all. 
but we know that God used it for his glory. Verse 10, and we'll wrap it up with this. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And so I think we got a a picture, a little slide that you can see where Asia was in biblical times. It's on the very west side of modern-day Turkey. So Paul is in Ephesus for over two years, People coming and going, trading, buying, all those things taking place. And then they're going up into Asia. And the word of God, according to what we just read, the word of God spread throughout all of Asia. You see, in that day and age, people would work in the morning, take the afternoon off, and then go back to work in the evening. They would take a break between 11 and 4 p.m. Sounds kind of nice. They didn't have air conditioning and such, so they would relax during the heat of the day. But think about this. This gave Paul a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel to those who lived in Ephesus as well as to those who were passing through the area via trade and travel. God used the hardened hearts of the Jews to promote the gospel to the Gentiles who lived and traveled throughout the province of Asia. So we'll wrap it up with this as the music team comes up. What do we do with this? Well, we ask a few questions. How about you? One thing that you want to ask yourself is, have I been water baptized? Well, yeah, I was when I was five years old. Do you understand it? I don't have a clue. It'd probably be a good idea for you to get water baptized again then. Water baptism has nothing to do with salvation, but it is a spiritual principle. And we have flyers in the lobby where you can pick up a flyer, you can read about water baptism. It'll explain to you water baptism. So again, it has nothing to do with salvation, but there is a spiritual principle. You need to be water baptized. Are you ready to teach, preach, and live out your Christian faith for others to see? Are you ready for that? Because it's coming down, guys. Remember the theme for today's message? In whose power are you relying upon? In whose power are you relying upon? When it comes down... And somebody's knocking on your door and saying, are you a Christian? Are you a Bible-believing Christian? Are you one of those people? Are you ready to say, yes, I am? Or are you going to be afraid that your house is going to be burned down? Or are you going to be hauled off to prison? And say, oh, 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 no, 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 let's not go too far now. I do go to church on Sundays, but let's not go too far. Okay, all right, we just wanted to make sure who you were. It's coming, guys. Are you ready to take a stand for Jesus? If you haven't asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, take that step of faith this morning and allow God to do a new work in your life. Be ready. He will do a new work. It's between you and him. But it's it's between you and him. And elders will be up here and will lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. Nothing mystical, nothing magical. Nothing might not even happen. So don't expect a lightning bolt to take place but you're stepping out in obedience, and I can guarantee you this, God will not disappoint. God will not disappoint, I guarantee you. Father, we thank you and praise you. We thank you for the gifts, that they are real. And they're not to draw attention to ourselves. Your your Bible makes that perfectly clear. It's not about show. It's not about pride. It's not about being self-righteous. It's not about any of that. It's about edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ. 
And Father, we don't know. I know so many people have said we miss coming to church. We miss gathering. We miss being a part of what's taking place. And I understand, Father, for health reasons. Stay home. Father, give them wisdom to just stay home. There'll be a time when they can come back. But Father, those who are living in fear, I ask that you rebuke them. That they would not trust in themselves or in modern medication and a soon-to-be vaccine. But they would trust in the living God, the one who created heaven and earth, Jesus who spoke everything into being, knows the number of our days and is the one who allows, even as we see in the book of Job, allows certain things to come upon us to draw us closer to him. So, Father, your will be done in these days we're living in. And, Lord, as a flock then can gather, help us to enjoy the time. For there may be a moment where it's done. It's done. Give us wisdom, Lord. This is not fear tactics. This is reality. This is 2020. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. And fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that you will be glorified in and through our lives this day, this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. And if you would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up. We would love to pray for that as well. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.